CityCast listeners. It's time to talk about the week's news. I am joined today by CityCast lead producer Dina Kespa and by Sergio Chapa, who reports on energy for Bloomberg. It is Friday, August 26th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right. Dina and Sergio, let's talk about the news. Dina, what do you think the biggest story was this week? I mean, it's it's national, but it definitely pertains to a lot of Houstonians. But the student mm-hmm. loan forgiveness is huge. I mean, I feel like it's a step in the right direction. Don't get me wrong. But I do hope to see more of this in the future and that this isn't just the only offer on the table for now for students. Yeah, I am wondering, you know, that whole question of moral hazard, if they keep adding more and more loan forgiveness, do students start assuming that their loans would be forgiven? I hope if not. Someone, yeah, you think we need more. <laughs> A thousand percent. I mean, education's already so expensive, too. Uh, yeah, I think that, that it'll make schools make... <laughs> tuition and everything more expensive in a way um it you know in, in me and my personal experience it took me 17 years oh to pay God. off my student loans oh. and here's a pro tip if you want it <laughs> um life hack if you will um transfer uh-huh. your student loan debts to zero percent interest credit cards i was paying Whoa. something like six dollars and 75 cents a day for student loan interest oh. at its peak Oh my god! A day, and that's that's you know twenty five hundred bucks or so a year. Yeah, um, just on student loan interest. You know, a simple student loan from a state school, you know, became almost double. Yeah. <laughs> and and I paid it off by transferring it to zero uh, percent interest credit cards, which <laughs> made it go from six dollars seventy five cents a day to zero dollars a day. Jeez. And. You know, I mean, I, uh-huh. I, I love this, this student loan forgiveness bill, um, but yeah. at the same time, uh, you know, myself and other people who paid theirs off, uh, you know, um, maybe we should have waited <laughs> to save somebody. <laughs> That's so true. When I was reading up on this, a lot of the social media posts were people who were like happy, but then on the flip side, people who paid it were like, all right, so are you going to give me back like 10 grand? Are you going to give me back whatever I paid? So that I can feel like I was part of this and I feel like I, you know, also benefited from this. There was there was some anger and frustration among people. Right. It was like joking, not joking. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, could, I could be driving a Tesla with that money that I paid <laughs> yeah. for some loans. I mean, at the end of the day. Or maybe a Rivian or an electric Bronco or something. <laughs> but, but instead, you know, I'm, I'm just driving my, my Honda. <laughs> Yo, Hondas are good. They're great cars. They're reliable. (laughs) Yeah. In this economy and with these gas prices, most definitely I'm glad I drive a Honda. Yeah. 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 All right. Sergio, who do you think the biggest story of the week is? Well, I'm going to be a little bit biased and it's going to, I'm going to say that it's this story about uh, how the University of Texas system is getting a windfall from uh, high oil prices, $100 per barrel Mm. oil prices this year. And Oh, and the reason you're being biased is because you're one of the (laughs) co-authors of this story in Bloomberg, which I was just riveted by. So, all right, tell us about this story. Right. Well, thanks to this whole situation Uh with uh, the University of Texas system owning all this land out in the Permian Basin, the nation's largest oil field, the UT system is now on track to overtake Harvard Harvard. as the wealthiest school in the United States. All right. 
snaps for that. Amazing. Now, okay, UT does have more students than Harvard, but still, it is an amazing endowment. Right. And we're talking like tens of billions of dollars here. You know, at last valuation, um, Harvard was valued at $53.5 billion, something along those lines. And UT was in the in the 40s. But, uh, you know, with the uh, I don't want to call it a recession, I don't. But with the economy and everything, I think you're going to see a little role reversal, especially since Harvard divested from from fossil fuels. And UT is is uh, experiencing quite a windfall from that. Okay, so what happens when fossil fuels go away? Is UT just screwed? Because we know we know that they're winding down, right? No, I mean, well, well, God bless Texas, as they say, <laughs> um, uh, um, because. Uh, because not only do those lands have oil and gas, but guess what? They sit in some of the best land for wind energy. They sit on some of the best land for solar. Um, there's lots of potential for geothermal out there. Um, and uh, I, I think UT sitting pretty regardless. So Texas just lucked into this by giving this enormous chunk of land to its university fund that right. oil had not even been discovered on. Back when it was started. Oh, right, right. The, 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 their original plan for this land was just to, to lease it to ranchers for cattle and, and sheep and goats. <laughs> and that's how the, the university was going to make money. But then, you know, the discovery of oil just changed everything. Yeah. So the thing that I am hacked off about is that the University of Houston and, you know, a lot of other sort of next tier Texas schools don't get a chunk of that permanent university fund. Texas A&M gets some of it. But UT has this, you know, huge share of money. UT gets two thirds, A&M gets one third and uh, nobody else gets nothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, UNT, U of H, all the other schools, um, they're, they, they, they get their, their money from the higher education fund or a different fund um, than the than the, than the one that has fund. so much money in it. So right, well, why can't we get a share of that? Is there a reason? Can we get in on that? that that's just the law, the, the yeah. state constitution and, and the state law. Yeah, but we change the constitution all the time. Come on. You could change it. I, yes. <laughs> I think we deserve a chunk of that. I've got my eyes on it. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the money isn't 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 really just goes to the endowment. It's income for the endowment. It's not used for um, tuition or salaries or um, you know. It's basically just used for capital expenditures. You know, for new buildings. Oh man, that is. Mm. And so that money just stays there, growing, and the interest that it kicks off every year, right, just goes into UT's pocket. UT and A and M's the, the yeah. system, yeah, yeah, and um, and that's the the law, the way it's written. If people want to change that law, that okay, they have every right to do so. <laughs> Call my legislator. I wouldn't it be great if the Texas legislature did something that made me happy this session? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So for me, the biggest story is an anniversary story. This week marks the fifth anniversary of Hurricane Harvey making landfall. And the astonishing thing is how little we have done to deal with hurricanes and flooding after we should have gotten the world's biggest wake-up call. Um, there's a great Houston Chronicle story that points out that 
one in eight new homes that are permitted are in floodplains, which just boggles me. We're not only not moving people out of floodplains, we are building new houses in floodplains. They managed to get the area re-permitted by boosting the land underneath it and, you know, putting uh, sort of a drainage area nearby. But, you know, that does not give the water enough places to go. And we are expecting bigger and bigger storms. And, you know, I just can't believe that we are not bracing ourselves better for what we know is going to come. You know, I'll tell you what, now I, I, I ride my, my bicycle a lot throughout town, which mm-hmm. is an extreme sport in a place like Houston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, I was on the Braze Bayou Trail the other day. And, you know, one of the trends that I saw is that, you know, there was some bad flooding there in, in Harvey. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't live, you know, full disclosure, I didn't live in Houston yet yeah. um, when Harvey happened. But, uh, but you know, I mean, I've lived here long enough to know. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things I'm seeing along the trail, like in Myerland and other neighborhoods um, that experience flooding, what they've done is they've raised their homes um, higher to adapt for it. Oh, those mid-century homes. This just cracks mm-hmm. me up. Those like low slung ranch houses that are now, you know, they have a new foundation that puts them like 10 feet off the ground. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Wild. It's, it's, and you'll see one and then their neighbor doesn't have it. And uh, <laughs> and you wonder why, <laughs> why one has it and the other doesn't. But uh. yeah, insurance money. <laughs> I'd wonder, like, how do you do that for like small businesses that are like on Harwin? You know, Harwin and Gessner always floods, even if it's just like a long stretch of rain, it floods. And sometimes, you know, the shops will flood because they're really like low. Or sometimes the roofs will cave because they just are very old roofings and you've got water leakage. I mean, what's the solution for business owners? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact maps and if that is in the floodplain, but it seems like the places that always flood repeatedly should be bought out, that the businesses should get money, you know, to start over somewhere else if that's what they want to do. You definitely cannot eliminate Harwin and and get people to leave Harwin. It's got its history. It's got its, like, culture. It's, like, it's Harwin for a reason. (laughs) Well, this is one of the interesting things. It's got its history. It's got its culture. But how do you keep it from going underwater? Especially as we keep building more and more stuff. Like, you know, we're paving the Katy Prairie and the water is coming down, you know, so... What do we do? How do we stop that? Well, do you think there could be a design issue? Whereas like, you know, you have like all this pavement and concrete everywhere, maybe install retention ponds or, or, you know, make kind of semi-permeable cover where, um, whereas right now it's just paved and, and I don't know, I'm not familiar with that, with that shopping center in the neighborhood, but I'm saying, is it like that? Is it, is it all paved with where quick runoff? It's all paved. It's all concrete and just... Mm. It's very old area. But, like, you can make requirements of stuff that is being built new. But, you know, these little buildings that are owned by individuals, it's up to the owner whether to make changes that make them more flood resilient. You know, so do they build up higher? That's up to the owner, and that costs money. What about the streets, though? If it's the street is the issue, the owner can't go rebuilding a street. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's the streets that are flooding. It's Harwin and Gessner, that whole intersection. 
just gets inundated with water. Yeah, it's the land. Yeah. I mean, we can keep trying to push more water out, but there's a limit to how much water you can push out. I mean, with a Harvey, a Hurricane Harvey is an astounding amount of water. Yeah, but that area floods just whenever there's a storm. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things we have got to figure out is what we do with the everyday regular flooding. Well, I, I think we're at the point right now where, where, where the solution for a lot of these problems is, is building these underground pipes mm. that just move water, that drain and move water. Oh, you're an Elon Musk fanboy. You want to drill the tunnels. <laughs> the tunnels. No, I mean, when they were talking about it yeah. with the whole, you know, attics reservoir and everything, yeah. but, you know, they won't let them build a new reservoir. So their only other option is just to build a, a tunnel that moves water. And, I, you know, I've seen these in action in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they, they do, you know, move water underground for distances, um, and it controls flooding, but, uh, but it's also very, a capital intensive project. Yeah. Yeah. Are we willing to spend that kind of money mm. for I mean, flood control? If it works, I mean, my question is whether it would work for Houston where the conditions are different than San Antonio, but right. you know, if flood control is something that is really crucial to Houston's future. We got to put money into it, into whatever works. All right, y'all, what stories should have gotten more attention? Dina, what do you think we should have talked more about this week? Oh, this one's a a fiery one. It's got to be the KDISD police officer that temporarily removed a copy of a book from a high school library and it's Uh all part of an investigation after this woman filed a criminal complaint alleging that the district was providing quote-unquote harmful material to minors and this book was called it's called the flamer it's by mike Corrado, and a lot of parents would describe it as um pornography quote-unquote but it's really just this kid who's being bullied who's exploring his sexuality I mean, this is so heated, even on like TikTok. I was seeing people talk about it, which I was like, whoa, didn't think it would make it to TikTok. <laughs> but people are pissed. Yeah. People are angry. So this was a book that was being reviewed by the school district, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, normally the policy is you leave that book on the shelves. Yep. So I was and getting the police involved is kind of wild. I still don't understand that part of it. That's what people are really angry about because they're like, "Um, how does that make sense? Like, why this level of escalation? Yeah. And it also ties into that much bigger story about the fights over Texas kids' access to school libraries. Mm -hmm. I saw one proposal to require um, parents to give their kids permission to check a book out from the library and then to give parents information about every book that the kid checks out. Yeah, I read that. That's insane. Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw a lot of LGBT activists afraid that that would lead to more suicides by LGBT kids who are looking for information but haven't been brave enough to talk to their parents yet. Yeah. All right, Sergio, what do you think should have gotten more attention? Well, um, going back to my 
bias as an energy reporter. Um, uh-huh. You know, I'd say that one of the things that, that that's kind of gotten overlooked is the Warren Buffett, the billionaire's massive investment mm-hmm. into Occidental Petroleum, Houston-based Occidental mm-hmm. Petroleum, I might add. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, one of the things with the Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, is uh, a series of, of tax credits for. Um, for carbon capture technology, and and this company, Occidental Petroleum, uh, they they stand to get a large, large benefit from this act. Um, oh. In particular, it's a hundred and eighty dollar per ton credit for every ton of CO two you remove from the atmosphere, mm-hmm. like just suck it out with fans and engines, you get a hundred and eighty bucks oh. per ton. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and this this company Oxy, um, they're the leader in that technology, and they have these machines out set up out in the West, you know, Permian Basin mm-hmm. of West Texas and Southeast New Mexico, and and they stand to 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 make uh, quite a quite a windfall from that yeah. from that that investment, and of course, you know, how uh, uh, Mr. Buffett being an astute investor figure that out. And a conservative investor. I mean, he's not known for taking flyers, right? Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. It's a safe bet for sure. <laughs> if he's yeah. in there. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what too, but it's not just, just, you know, Oxy or Oxynolan Petroleum. It's uh, it's just Houston in general. And I think that like the oil and gas industry as a whole here in, in, in Houston or the energy industry in Houston can benefit greatly from this, from these tax credits. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to see them taking advantage of them over the next few years. Oh, this is good for our economy. This is real good. good And for the environment too, as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the story that I, the story that really caught my eye is one about downtown, um, there is a historic building called the Esperson Building. The older part of it was built in the 20s, and the newer part was in the 40s. It's this yellow brick Italianate thing with a little cupola on top. And it has been an office building for most of its life. But as we all know, post-COVID and with the oil companies reducing their footprint downtown, there's a lot of empty office space. And so the Esperson building is sort of reformatting itself. They're turning the top floors into residential. And the bottom floors are going to stay some mix of regular offices and uh, WeWork-type spaces, which I just think is really interesting. And it mirrors this larger thing going on downtown, where it's no longer just a place to work, that it's more and more a place to play and live. Oh, wow. I, th- I think that's great. I mean, I, I work next door to the Esperson downtown oh. and, you know, I always <laughs> yeah. use the tunnels and they have a great food court underneath it. Uh-huh. That, that, that's great. And I, I think this is, I, I, you, you just, you, it, I didn't even know this. I work next door. So thank you, Lisa. That's very cool. That's very cool news. Have you, are you going to consider moving whenever it opens? Is that like... <laughs> <laughs> plans <know>. to move <laughs> yeah yeah I don't, I don't how close do you want to be to work uh, <laughs> true true um, 
But I mean, I think the benefit of it is just like having the access to the yes percent does have access to those tunnels and and, um, you know, to all of that at your fingertips is, mm-hmm. is great. It's and this is, you know, change that kind of needs to happen. All right. I want to hear what is making y'all happy this week. Dina, what is giving you joy? Oh, it is Mo Amin's Netflix series, Mo, that dropped on Netflix on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It is the most A-Leaf, most Houston, most Palestinian show to hit the big screen. And, I mean, just that level of representation is just so monumental, not just for Houston and A-Leaf, but for mm-hmm. my community, the Palestinian community in Houston. Mm-hmm. So you've already watched it. I've watched an episode. I'm not going to give away any spoilers in case someone has okay. not watched it. All right. <laughs> because you have to watch it. <laughs> but what is it that, like, delights you so much? Um, it's just, like, his story. Like, following along his story as an immigrant. And not just him. I think he highlights the Palestinian immigrant community. And, you know, he opens up with a song. And I'll, I'll spoil a little bit. Where he opens up with Paul Wall's Sitting Sideways. Mm-hmm. song and it's him driving around and you see such iconic places in Houston because he filmed it in Houston and a bulk of it was filmed in A-Leaf and so yeah. seeing those and seeing him being that he's such a big star now coming back home to A-Leaf and highlighting just how incredible that neighborhood is it is such a heavy immigrant community it warms your A-Leaf heart yeah yeah no, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I loved his comedy specials on Netflix, oh, yeah. uh, and this show it, it's on it's on my queue. It's on my <laughs> list. And you know you know how most people say they lie when they say a show's on their list. Well, this one really is, and I really am gonna watch it because I I, I love his work. Same here. <laughs> That's so awesome to hear, Sergio. Oh my gosh, yeah. see, I'm not gonna give any spoilers because I knew there's gonna be somebody out there who hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> Right. Thank you. It just <laughs> came out, <laughs> Dina. I mean, that's something that. to watch. I mean, personal personal life goal this yeah. weekend to binge watch that show. Oh, my God. So. I've been looking on social media. Literally everyone has been binging it. And I'm like, okay, I need to stay off because, yeah, Lisa, it just came out. But literally people are binging it and it's only been out for a okay. couple of days. So the spoilers are out there. So they are. So, uh, Sergio, my tip for you is uh, avoid social media because everyone's yes. posting <laughs> images of who's in the show. And I'm like, what the heck? I didn't need to know this. I haven't seen that episode yet. <laughs> okay. Good deal. Sergio, what's making you happy? Uh, well, you know, I was going to say that as well. Uh, the, the good reviews for the show. But I'll, I'll dovetail off that a little bit that, you know, one thing that I'm just saying, like, well played well played is that is that activist from florida uh chaz stevens who's sending all the the um in god we trust in arabic signs oh. to texas oh. schools <laughs> yeah okay Ex- okay explain this loophole explain what's going on there okay? uh, you know so i i guess there's a state law now where uh schools have to display the words in god we trust and if if anyone donates the sign. And, uh, oh, but they didn't explicitly say they had to be in English. <laughs> yeah, they, did, they didn't say this, the signs had to be in English, did they? So <laughs> this guy has a loophole, and this is where the well-played, well-played comes right? in. He, does it, he did it in Arabic, and now it'll be there. <laughs> it, 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 and they have to accept it, I, I guess. And, and they, can't, they can't deny it. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so amusing. Um and it's and it, with the with the words are nafik fi Allah, you know. So uh, and, and it's all written in Arabic, and it, it's just it's just it's, I'm just like okay. 
<laughs> I know that was that was epic. That was really epic. <laughs> I suspect the Texas legislature may revisit this. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, crud. This is not what we wanted. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for me, it's a small thing. I saw um, a little study that came out this week that says that Houston has the most dogs per capita of any city in the U.S. And I thought, oh, no wonder we're so grounded here. It's the dogs. <laughs> and they all live in my building, it seems like. <laughs> and they all use the elevator. <laughs> Keeping you up I, at night? I don't know. I think that, yeah. I think that like, like dog owners, um, I might get some hate mail on this, but <laughs> dog owners, it's on you to clean up after your animals, especially in the elevator. In the elevator? Um, oh, what the in heck? In the elevator. Oh, that's nasty. I'm sorry, nasty. but. You need elevator cams. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, that's. Mm. No. <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been really fun. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no problem anytime. Yeah, this is fun. That was Dina Kespa and Sergio Chapa of Bloomberg. Now we've got a little bonus for y'all. Yesterday's show was about Houston's best date nights. And we have one more suggestion now from listener Lisa Goshman. Hi, I saw you looking for a date night spot, so I was going to leave a message telling you that Liberty Kitchen and Oysterette on the Memorial location on Bunker Hill has live music every Friday and Saturday from 6 to 10. So it's kind of an acoustic sunset, um, different musicians on Friday and Saturday, and you can have dinner and have some uh, caviar lobster. You could get a burger or any kind of seafood as well. And um, it's a fun date night. All right, have a great day. Thanks. That is it for our show today. If you'd like to be on our show sometime, well, we've got a chance coming up next week. We'll be doing a show on Houston Bargain. So if you have a suggestion, please call our voicemail, 713-489-6972, and leave us a message with your name and what bargain you think other Houstonians ought to know about. We'll have that number in our show notes. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Brooke Lewis writes our newsletter. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band All the Kimonos. I'm your host, Lisa Gray. We will be back on Monday. Talk with you then. So if I I can't pronounce the word fiduciary, just (laughs) get a... You get do-overs. Yeah. Okay. God bless recording.